content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. You know what else matters, Sissy? What else matters? At least it matters to you. It doesn't matter as much to me. But keeping up with your marathon training, that's going to be very, that's, that's very impressive that you go out of town and keep up with your walking. So kudos to you. Yeah, yeah, that is what is the segue to this week's story because it was pretty interesting. We were in Ohio for a wedding. It was a beautiful wedding, but we knew that we needed to get a seven mile run and a 14 mile run. And we knew that we would have time, you know, based on when we flew in and all that good stuff to get those runs in. So as we were going to the hotel, we saw a sign that said, something about a trail two miles ahead. And we're like, oh, that's cool. That'll be great. That's where we'll go to get our miles in. Because that's exactly and we what checked I would in at the hotel. I would, I would totally just look for a sign that says two miles. In two miles, there's a run. I would be looking for the sign for, oh, I don't know, the closest spa, maybe. <laughs> closest restaurant. <laughs> but that's okay. We're different, but we're like, anyway, go ahead. Yes. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's it's pretty much a CMOR. I don't want to fall apart on marathon day. So I'm putting in the work ahead of time. So that will not happen. And for our listeners, what, what is that? And for me? Uh, a CMOR is one of the CMOs that we think about. Uh, conditioned motivating operation. And this one is reflexive. I usually think of that as trying to avoid something worse, like going to the marathon and uh, pulling a muscle or uh, hurting myself so badly that I don't get to finish the marathon, that kind of thing. Oh, so that makes sense. Okay, good, 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 good job incorporating that into your story. Anyhow, so we're checking into the hotel and ask the nice little gal behind the desk, hey, do you guys have some trails around here? We need to, you know, get some miles in while we're here. And she said, oh, yeah, there's a national forest just, you know, just not far away. And we're thinking that's probably the trail they were talking about. So no worries, we'll go do that. And so we change into our clothes and I Google where the national forest is. And it wasn't two miles, it was about seven miles. And we go ahead and drive it and and we park and we see a little sign that says Buckeye Trail. And we're like, oh, that sounds great. And part of the sign says a little over three miles. And we're thinking it's a loop. You know, we're going to go on the Buckeye Trail loop. And that'd be great. It won't be seven miles, but maybe we can repeat it. But quickly into the trail, we realize this is not your average Houston kind of person's <laughs> trail. It was a lot of up and down and inclines way beyond what I'm accustomed to. So my husband, Joe, suggests, let's let's just walk this. We'll just walk it together. I'm like, cool, that's great because those will be different muscles. It won't hurt my muscles to train up a little bit that way. And we noticed that the Buckeye Trail was in blue. And then there are trees painted with a little bit of blue as you go along to help you know you're staying there. So we're like, that's great. We just keep looking for the blue paint and everything will be fine. And we get past three miles and we realize we're not back where we started. This is <laughs> kind of weird, but let's keep going. And at one point we crossed a little creek that was not like just hoppity across the creek, la la la, on goes the trail. It was 
step on the right rocks to get across the creek and then climb up, you know, having to secure yourself pretty carefully up the embankment to and get pray you trail. don't fall slide on the moss on the rocks or fall in the water. And and I know from you telling me the story after it happened that you did not fall and that you were able to get up the bank, which was um, even more impressive than just going for a walk on vacation. So anyway, go ahead. So we, we are definitely now way more than three miles and we are completely confused about what has happened. Why are we this far? And we come to realize, you know, it's not that much further before darkness is going to start to fall <laughs> and we are in the forest. You know, luckily I had my phone with me, but uh now we're thinking it doesn't make sense to turn around because we've gone probably like five miles by then. And we know it's going to be five miles back across that creek again. Mm-mm. And it will definitely be dark. Mm-mm. Woods in the dark. So we keep going forward. And then we come across a road. The trail continues after the other side of the road. But we say, let's stop and let's pull out my phone and try to figure out where the car is parked. Wait, wait, wait. So before the you best- go on, wait, wait, before you go on, didn't <laughs> when y'all got across the river, or I mean the stream, and got up to the up the on top of the bank, didn't somebody walk by y'all and say something? Yeah, that's Joe? true. After we passed that, this man passed us and said, Good choice. And and we well, we don't know what he was talking about for his good choice comment. But anyway, we thought we were making a good choice, getting our exercise in and all that good stuff. So crossing that road, we I, I pull out my phone and I try to remember the name of the place where we parked the car. I didn't know for sure, but I thought I knew. So I pull it up and it looks like it's a little less than two miles, according to my maps, you know, to walk it back. So we're thinking, mm, I wonder if this loop, you know, if we keep going with a loop, get us there faster. And we decided it doesn't make sense to let the loop get us there faster. We'll follow the maps and hope that this is where we're going. And all the way there, we're talking about, does it make sense that we're going to be turning left? Does that make sense to you? Does it feel right? And we have no idea whether it feels right or not, but what are our choices? What time of day was this when you were back when you were on the road? By the time we got on the road, the sun was beginning to set and it was a little two lane highway. And when cars would come, we would have to get off into the grass and wait for them to pass. But I would turn on the flashlight of my phone, not shine it at the people, but just, you know, at the ground in front of us. So they would know There are some crazy Houstonians who have gotten themselves lost and trying to find their way back. Please don't run over them. Um, And so, you know, not knowing for sure if it was the right visitor center, we thought, well, at least if it's not the right one, maybe there will be um, someone there who can help us or, you know, worst case scenario, call the hotel and see if someone could come get us. (laughs) But anyway, so so we keep walking. And every, you know, when there were cars coming, we would jog along, try to get there faster because, yes, it was getting dark and kind of scary. So lo and behold, it was the right visitor center and the car was there and we were able to get back. But we had done seven miles, most of which was up and down and up and down, way, way steeper than I would typically do anywhere around here, even when I go try to find hills to do for my training. So I knew I was going to be sore the next day. 
that was the seven mile day. And the next day was going to be the 14 mile day. Oh my God. <laughs> so we're going back to the hotel and Joe sees the sign again about the trail two miles ahead. Cool. So the next day we decide, let's go find the trail that is only two miles up ahead. Yeah, we did. And it was a nice, flat, long trail along some, you know, creeks and beautiful countryside and beautiful trees changing colors, which we don't get that much here. So we also needed to get back and get ready for the wedding. So as we're trying to do our 14 miles, and he easily did the 14 miles at a pace that I'm jealous of. That's okay. (laughs) Well, I ran as much as I could, but then my body was saying, you can't be running anymore. You need to walk. And so it was hurting. My back was hurting. My legs were hurting. And I caught myself making that grimaced face when you're in pain, right? Mm -hmm. And so as I'm doing that, I'm thinking, why are you making this grimace face? It's not going to help you feel better. It's not going to stop the pain in your back or your legs. Relax your face. But wait, wait, wait. Was Joe there so that maybe he could have seen the look on your face and said, oh, honey, you're going to be okay. We're almost done or anything like that? No, no. He is much faster than me. So he was already up, turning back around from his, you know, seven mile mark to get back to the car in time to go get ready for the wedding. So, you know, there really weren't, I would pass people, but they were, it was just in passing, right? Nobody is going to look at my face and say, oh, ma'am, are you okay? Can I help you? (laughs) And I I knew that. So I'm like, why? Just relax your face. Just try to relax your body. Just try to get through this. And so I did not get my whole 14 miles for two reasons. One was my body was telling me, this is enough. You are hurting yourself. Please stop. And we needed to get back to the hotel to get ready to go to the beautiful wedding. So we go to the wedding. It's wonderful. We get up early the next morning uh, to go home, get to the airport. And as I'm standing there waiting to board the airplane, I see a little child in a stroller bussing. Well, first, before she even started crying, making a lot of faces, a lot of faces, a lot of faces. And you know, mom is trying to find something to comfort her. And I was thinking, wow, yeah, yeah, that, that that face is helping her. And, you know, when does all of that start? It really starts when we're babies. You know, we, we make a face and mama comes in and feeds us or changes our diaper or whatever. And over time, we sometimes use that face to um, to get the help that we need, you know. Sure. I mean, sure. sometimes it's. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, if uh, somebody drops a brick on your foot, you're going to make the face. You're not looking for help. Your body is just responding to that face, right? I mean, to that pain. But, you know, there are times that, particularly when you're a child, that you're making the face and someone is going to help you. Well, Uh, and it's so so funny that you said that. Sorry to interrupt you. But this morning I was at Randall's, my grocery store. And one of the guys who usually helps me out when I have heavy things was sitting kind of in this little like cafe that they have. And he had his head was in his hands and he was looking down and he didn't have anything in front of him. Like he wasn't eating or reading or anything. And and I kind of looked at him and he just kept his head down. And I walked over and I said, hey, are you OK? And because uh, I love this guy. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just really tired. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of times we do offer help when we see somebody with that look. 
you know, even yeah. though you were making the face and there was nobody around. <laughs> <laughs> and no one to help me. Right. And so, right. Did we talk about theory of mind? We did talk about theory of mind with Chris and Lucinda. And it's that same idea as you see that face and you have an anticipation of what's what might be happening inside their mind and you're trying to be helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it really just, it was so interesting to me that I had caught myself out on the trail, making the face and, you know, like, stop it. It's not going to help you. Just try to relax your body, relax your face. And then I see the exact same thing happening in the airport with the little girl. And it really made me think about the process of face making in that way, you know, and of course, you know, that is how our brains work are always like, where did this behavior come from? Why are we, how is it being reinforced? How is it being maintained? All of that good stuff. So that was the grand adventure of getting, oh, the Buckeye Trail that we thought was a little three mile loop oh, yeah. is actually almost 70 miles oh around Ohio. <laughs> and we would have been there a really long time if we had been trying to stay on the Buckeye Trail to get back. You would have been on that show that alone or whatever. So, okay, that's a really good story. And before we go into the question, uh, my big question is, did you stop making the face? I did. I did because it wasn't helping me. And I just, I began to try to focus on relaxing the muscles that I could to try to help my body feel better. Yeah, we joked about that because sometimes we watch that show naked and afraid and we <laughs> joked about we, we maybe we need to turn the camera on because maybe we've got our own little version of not naked but almost afraid you know out here in the wilderness and there the other thing that was so funny is as it was getting dark this owl clearly hooted at us <laughs> walking along I was like, did you hear that? I'm like, yeah, he's talking to us. He's like, you fool, you fool. What are you doing out here? You fool. That's pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, listeners, here is the question. When babies are young or little girl or kids, children are young, particularly babies, you know, if they have a dirty diaper, they make a grimace and, and usually, hopefully, somebody comes and helps them clean up their diaper or change their diaper and like the little child in the airport was making a face and mommy came to help. You know, as we get older, we might have learned over time through those experiences that when we make certain faces, help is usually on the way. On the other hand, (laughs) Sissy was making a face and sometimes we make the face and help is not coming on the way, but it's more of kind of a, a learned response, right? So the question is, the baby who is either hungry or needs her diaper changed or what have you, was demonstrating the grimace as a blank response, whereas Sissy was demonstrating the faces as a blank response. A, reinforcement and punishment. B, conditioned response and unconditioned response. C, punishment and reinforcement. Or D, unconditioned response and conditioned response. So the baby was making the face as a blank response and Sissy was making the face as a blank response. Well, I think I know why (laughs) I was making a face. (laughs) I mean, I think, okay, so if we think about trying to rule any of the things out, reinforcement increases behavior, punishment decreases behavior. So... 
the baby was getting reinforced, right, for getting the help from the re- the face yeah. that you were making. Yeah, there's, that there's you, no were, you weren't getting punished, there, right? There's right, right. There's no there's no punishment there. There could be reinforcement because the behavior may increase because yeah, but no punishment is demonstrated. So we can throw reinforcement and punishment or punishment and reinforcement out. Right. Yeah. So now then we have to think about unconditioned and conditioned. Correct. So babies typically start this world with unconditioned responses. They have not been taught this information. They haven't made the association yet. It just happens. They cry because they're hungry. They maybe grimace because they're hungry or uncomfortable. And then you do learn over time that that could have. So it could be a conditioned response for me over time to think, oh, maybe someone would see this face and come help me. So I would have to say unconditioned and conditioned as the words to plug in. That's that's, a, okay. that's exactly right, Sissy. You got it. So the baby getting the diaper changed, uh, making the grimace for her diaper changed was a unconditioned response versus the little girl in the airport and you we're making the grimace as a result of a conditioned response because it's been conditioned because when you were a baby, you made faces and you got help. So great story, Sissy. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I'm really excited about a podcast we have coming up with Kathy Hersey from Division Teach in at the University of North Carolina. I was there in Chapel Hill for a conference and she so graciously agreed to have a conversation with us. And I really look forward to our listeners hearing the golden nuggets that she shared with us. And she definitely has quite a few. So as always, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. And we hope you look forward to part one of this great conversation next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.